Hi there, this is Not Invented Here, a show about tech, product development and business, and I'm your host, Dima Malenko. My original plan for this episode was different, but a couple of days ago, I got a comment from Andre for the episode where I discussed radical design of Skype, and Andre there says that Neuroburn is a good example of battery design as well. They have added a lot of unneeded features outside of the application's core functionality and the application became unusable. While it may have coincided with the redesign of the application, I think there was a different reason of why this happened. And I thought that it would be good to, to discuss this on this episode. The more so uh, recently, there have been splashes in application development community, which also I think are parts of the same uh, puzzle. And I will try to explain that to you right now. And the, the splashes I'm talking about are those of one password. You may have heard about this cross-platform uh, password manager, and they had a, a little bit of hiccup with the announcement that the Windows version of their application will cease to support storing passwords in local vaults and instead will require users to get subscription to their cloud service for syncing passwords between uh, devices. And yeah, there was a a bit of backlash from the community and users on that matter, and they had to somehow, somehow deal with that. And also maybe last week or the week before that, came out a new version of the popular FTP client for Mac called Transmit. And while I call this application FTP client, it's not only FTP client. It it lets you manage your files in all sorts of different storages like um, WebDAV, FTP, AWS S3, and and things of that nature. And they also, in in this new version, which, if I'm not mistaken, was in development for like five or even seven years, and this is the first update uh, in such a long period of time, they've added a feature which many see as controversial or unneeded or unwarranted addition to the application, and that is syncing, cloud syncing of credentials for different storage services, which would allow you to like use them on different devices where you use this application. And many think that this is not necessary for this type of application, and even more so, it can pose a security risk. But again, I think those three facts are part of the same puzzle, and that puzzle is an application's life cycle uh, on the marketplace. And I believe that there are three distinct periods in that application life cycle that determine or guide, maybe not guide directly, but inform the decisions that the developers made for the pricing model, for features to be added, and the overall roadmap for their apps. And the first period I called in my notes extensive growth on a growing market. That is when the applications are introduced to the market that often happens when the developers see the opportunity of many users having some particular need that the application can address. And when it happens so that the number of users who have this need will be growing for different reasons, 
then you can capitalize on that need of that growing growing market for example when first cd burners came out you know developers of neuroburn figure out that hey more and more users would want and would be able to afford to get those cd burners and they will need software to burn their cds so why don't we start an application to help them do that and they were right more and more users got those um, CD burners, and they were looking for software to use those uh, hardware devices, and that's why they bought Neuroburn or maybe some other application. But Neuroburn was very prominent uh, CD burning application at that time. The way they achieved initial success was that they capitalized on the growing market. More and more users uh, got those devices. Later on, we got those CD burners with new laptops, and that, that was like a standard option. And we needed software to, to use those CD burners. So there was constant, in, in this initial period, there is constant influx of new users. And for the developer, it makes all the sense in the world to focus on acquiring new users. And to do that, they, first of all, need to keep their existing users happy because they're invaluable marketing resource for their application. Be it that they burn CDs and give them to friends and friends ask them, uh, how you got those empathies on a CD? They say, hey, I, I burned this with the near burn. And that creates word of mouth. And in that period, that was the greatest thing that the user could do for the application. It is bringing in new users and on a growing market that is something that that works and in order to keep existing users happy developers gave out even significant updates to their applications for free because the main value the main source of revenue was those users who were new to the application those who came to buy full license for their for their app. But sooner or later, this period ends. A number of new users coming to the application slowly, slowly decreases. Just because naturally we, we get to the, we start getting to the saturation point for uh, that, that market. And this is the period when not that many new users come to get the application because most of those who may need this application already got it or got the competitor for that matter but still since this happens fairly early in the life cycle of the application there is still huge demand for new features from existing users and this is the period when the main income for the application starts moving from new licenses from new users to upgrade licenses from existing users and this is where developers start being more cautious with giving out free upgrades. And instead, they um, start thinking about, hey, uh, what, what are the features that would make for a compelling pitch for upgrade to our existing users? And this is 
the period where I think Nero Bourne got that famous redesign that Henri was referring to, when they were constantly thinking of how do we make it so that more of our existing users buy the new version. They need to attract them with new features, even though those features might not be very useful, they had to look beautiful, they had to make for a great pitch uh, for the user to consider buying an upgrade. Naturally, at that time, the marketing value of users slowly dies out because, you know, no matter how good your application is and what prizes the users will tell their friends about your apps, they cannot attract many more new users. And instead of being a great marketing resource, existing users start being a source of the upgrade revenue. This is also a switch in the development mindset. Instead of trying to make existing users happy, we now try to make them buy new version of the app and pay for the upgrade license. But sooner or later, that period when users demand new features ends. This is the third period, which is which I call full saturation. When the market is saturated, there is no more new users to attract to your application. And all of the needs of the users in that segment have already been satisfied and it becomes harder and harder to come up with something which will make great headline to sell new version of your application. And this is the period when existing users stop bringing upgrade revenue because they are perfectly happy with the version of the application they've got because it satisfies many if not all of their needs and now existing users turn into liability for the application developer because when the application is out there in the wild it still needs support new versions of operating systems come out new hardware platforms come out, uh, APIs of the services the application integrates with change. And that all requires maintenance effort from the application developer. But the users who are using the application don't want to pay for that type of thing. They don't want to pay for new versions because they don't see much value in, in, in those new functions that you can come up with but still they will be bugging uh, your support saying th that hey i've got new macbook and the application i bought from you four years ago no longer works help me get it working and your support department can have really hard time trying to explain that the users need to pay the great price to get newer version of the application that will work on the newer uh, operating system or the newer device they recently got. And that's why when applications come to that period in their life cycle, they start thinking about how to make their users pay for some sort of a monthly subscription that would give them predictable revenue and allow them to cover those maintenance costs of supporting new devices, new operating systems, changes in the API and overall changes in the world, which do not necessarily bring new functions to justify paying for upgrade for the user. 
And this is the period where the transmit and one password, I think, are currently. And that's why they're thinking about how to add service component into their application to justify that software as a service type of pricing where users have to pay something every month. And that's easy when, when you have, well, <laughs> that's easy is an exaggeration, but it is easier to justify that when you have some sort of server components because you can say, uh, you can tell your users that, hey guys, um, there is this sync feature in the application you use and that requires us running servers and servers require resources and money is required to run the service. So if you're using this uh, syncing feature, you should pay monthly subscription fee and at least for users it, it can make sense it's much difficult to explain them that they have to pay this um, ongoing subscription fee just to be able to get updates which will support new versions of the operating system or the laptop they get even the more so that before they used to get those updates for for free and that's why many of application vendors start looking into how to turn their applications into something that will look like a service. And many of application vendors quite successfully managed that transition. We can look at Adobe with its creative suite, which is making, which is growing year over year and is making good profit for the application and for the type of market for the type of application and for the current time in 2017 it makes a lot of sense because when i'm using photo, something like photoshop right now i'm actually should be paying adobe for ongoing maintenance of the application for them to make sure that it will work on my new mac os high sierra or whatever it is called and and things like that microsoft itself has done something similar with its Office 365 subscription because myself, I was using Microsoft Office for Mac 2011 for past like five or six years because I th there were newer versions, but I didn't really need them. And I could not justify paying Microsoft an upgrade license for those applications. But now with Office 365, it makes things different for users like myself because there is cloud storage integrated with that subscription and, you know, that it can justify paying a monthly, monthly price. So the three stages of the application lifecycle in the marketplace, as I discussed them today, are first the extensive growth on a growing market where application developers derive most of their revenue from selling licenses to new users. The second period is when the influx of new users uh, slows down, but still there is a demand for new features and improvements in the app itself. And this is when the revenue from selling upgrade licenses to existing users starts playing a more important role. And the third period, I, I wouldn't call it the last period. I, I would hope not to call it the last period, but the third period is what I call full saturation when there are no more new users coming to the market to sustain development of the application by themselves alone. And there is no demand for new features because vast majority of 
uh, user needs have already been addressed and users are perfectly happy with one, two, three year old versions of their apps if they still can use them on, on the devices they, they are running right now. And, and this is when application vendors start looking into turning their application into something similar to software as a service and start looking for opportunities to turn their application into a service which will justify regular monthly fee paid by the users. And this model I think holds quite well because if we look, for example, into the mobile applications world, we can see the same pattern. Initially, when there was explosive growth of the number of users who are using smartphones, it was easy for application developers to turn in huge profits by selling $1 applications, simply by the fact that the number of users was constantly growing and buying that $1 application they could sustain development of the application and creation of new versions of the application. But when that growth slowed down, not that many new users started coming to market. Then mobile developers started complaining about the lack of upgrade pricing, for example, in the Apple App Store. And, you know, started looking for ways to simulate upgrade pricing and make users pay for newer version of the applications. And and user and many users did that because they saw value in increased capabilities of, of those apps. But nowadays it is very hard to make a sustainable software development business. And that's why many application developers, uh, many mobile application developers start thinking about how to turn their applications into software as a service with a subscription fee. And Apple is thinking along those same lines because in newest versions of iOS, they substantially improve capabilities and possibilities for the developers to offer subscriptions and get recurring revenue from the users who are actively using their applications. Well, that's it. That's the model I wanted to share with you right now, those three stages, three periods in applications lifecycle. And I'll be very interested in knowing what you think about this and whether you see maybe some counter examples to, to this model. I'll be glad to look at them and discuss in further episodes of this a podcast. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at dmalenko there. And you can leave a comment under this episode on Sonar One. And until then, I'll see you on the web. See you soon. <laughs>